The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 213. Who cares? I'm Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of bleedinggreennation.com. We're recording this on Thursday. Uh, so we are only, as, as we're recording this, three days from the Eagles week one matchup in Atlanta against the Atlanta Falcons. Brandon, how you doing, buddy? Jimmy, how could I not be excited? When we are just days away from the Philadelphia Eagles actually playing a real football game that matters, there will be some fans, a lot of fans, I'm using in the stands, it'll be a real football game and a real football environment, uh, not as good as the link, obviously, in Philly, but still a uh, classic road game environment down there in Atlanta when the Eagles play the Falcons, and before we get to that, I mean, we're going to have the Cowboys lose to the Buccaneers tonight. Now, I'm kind of risking this by... You, the listener, listen to this after maybe the opposite has happened. But I feel very confident. I feel good in our Bucks beating the Cowboys tonight. So I am excited for the NFL season to be here. Jimmy, how are you feeling? I am also excited for the season to be here. Um, it's going to be fun with the fans being back because, like all last season, I mean there were there were like little pockets of fans um, in my travels on the road, and the Eagles even had some fans like. Was the most they had like seventy five hundred, I think, uh, at any one game last year. So um, it'll be good to have everyone back. They're lucky that last year was the year that fans weren't there because I mean they'd have been getting booed out of the stadium uh, regularly, uh, especially as the as the season sort of wore on last year. So uh, anyway, it'll be good to have everyone back uh, in the stadium once again. And uh, first, I guess we'll we'll uh, start with uh, some new some news items before we get into the Eagles Falcons matchup. And I guess the the first thing would be that. Well, before uh, that, Jimmy, I have a very important announcement to make to oh, you, and that yes. is BGN Radio this year, <laughs> sponsored by Right to Spell and Craft Jerky. You can go get some by going to rightdisfellon dot com and using discount code BGN fifteen for fifteen percent off. Okay, now, uh, Jimmy, please get into. 
the news that we had. So three guys went on IR uh, after 53-man cutdowns. They were offensive lineman Jack Driscoll, which was a little bit of a surprise, cornerback uh, Josiah Scott, and as everyone already knew, uh, Tyree Jackson was going to be out for the first five, six, seven, eight, seven games, whatever, uh, to start the season. Uh, Driscoll's a little concerning, in my opinion, because he, you know, had injury issues last year. Like he left several games, uh, during the game last year, most notably, uh, with, uh, an MCL sprain that ended a season, uh, at the end of the year last year. So, um, not great that he's on IR. What, what was he? A peck, I think, peck injury. And then uh, Josiah Scott got hurt in the final preseason game. Uh, he is going to be out uh, for at least the first three weeks on IR uh, because he's out. Well, actually, we'll get back to that in a second. But Tyree Jackson, we already knew, of course, uh, with the back injury, suffered during practice against the uh, Patriots. And uh, after Josiah Scott got put on IR, the Eagles actually signed two different cornerbacks. Uh, actually, they listed um, one of them as a safety and as a slot corner. Uh, that's Andre... Sacheray, did I say that correctly? Uh, who they picked up from, should I have my notes in front of me here on this one? They claimed, <laughs> Who's practice squad? They claimed him. Well, they claimed oh, him. Oh, they claimed off him off waivers. Sacheray was on the Indianapolis Colts ah, roster. Right. Okay. But they waived him because they made, uh, they had a couple claims of their own that they got. And I guess guys that they really wanted. So they yes. had to create some room for those guys ultimately, or had to do so a little bit later to kind of do some roster maneuvering and claimed. Tashray, who spent time with Jonathan Gannon in Indianapolis last year when he was on their practice squad and apparently had a good training camp, according to Colts reporters. Multiple we made the team initially. Yeah. Yes. So he had the the old mind F where you make the team and, and you think you're good to go. And then you get, uh, you get waived like a day or two later. So like, uh, tough to be in that situation for him. And then they, of course, uh, signed, uh, Mac McCain off of waivers from the Denver Broncos. Um, so, you know, no, he was off their practice squad. Oh, practice. Excuse me. I signed him off the, yep. off the practice squad. Yeah. Uh, not a great start to the pod for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the other news, if you want to call it that, um, uh, that came out of this past week, uh, after our latest post 53 man roster, uh, you know, initial 53 man roster pod was, uh, Dallas Goddard spoke with the media and, um, he seemed disappointed that, uh, talks, he said talks had sort of broken off between he and the team, uh, for a contract extension. He had said earlier during camp that, you know, he and, you know, he and his agents, uh, were speaking with the Eagles about a contract extension, but they have since stopped. So. He's in the final year of his deal. Uh, Zach Ertz is unexpectedly still on the roster. Um, so that's a weird situation they have going on at tight end. And, uh, how, what do you think about who's going to be, who do you think will get more snaps week one against the Falcons? What do you think will be Goddard or Ertz? Well, they're listed as co-starters, Jimmy. Yes. So therefore <laughs> they're going to split everything exactly. No. Um, and, and I think it's going to be Ertz, right? You think so? Like, okay. I got I mean, Goddard Dylan- on that one. Okay. I mean, it's tough because like, just because Ertz has obviously been here, Hurts, Jalen Hurts liked throwing to Zach mm-hmm. Ertz a lot in camp. Um, I think it's going to be close. I don't think it's going to be a huge gap to be clear. We're kind of, I think, splitting hairs a little bit with this question. I mean, it's a fair question for you to ask. I'm just saying, I don't think the number is going to be drastically different. Um, but it's a weird situation to me. And I think there's a little bit to unpack here in terms of, at least from my read on it, like the timing of this all, because this Dallas Goddard press conference happened, what, just like, Less than a week after we heard from Zach Ertz mm-hmm. finally, and Zach Ertz talked about how 
that like there have been apologies and fences mended. So like I wanted to ask him this. I don't think I didn't get the opportunity to get caught on. I was like, what were some of those things? You know, what exactly had yeah, to be yeah, yeah. mended? And it's just weird to me that all of a sudden, like Zach Ertz is good and wants to talk to the media and everything. And at the same time, Dallas Goddard's like, well, we're not talking about contract extensions anymore. And then throughout that, I'd seen a note from Albert Breer and uh, his, you know, he does like a Monday morning quarterback piece every week, but then he does like a Monday afternoon quarterback thing. Like he follows up like a quicker post later in that day. Mm-hmm. And he had something in there, like a league wide, you know, thing. And there was something in there about Goddard. And there was like a note that was about, said something to the effect of like, Zach Ertz is only like four years older than Dallas Goddard. And like I know how oh can look that up himself, but <laughs> like I don't think I, I, mean, I could be reading this wrong, but I don't think that was just him opining as much as that was like a talking point relayed to him by someone from the Eagles, and like kind of almost setting the table for like them actually not keeping Dallas Goddard and like extending Zach Ertz instead. So maybe I'm reading into it too much. If you want to believe that, but uh, I just thought that was interesting, and we continue to hear. Uh, so what, not only the, the talks breaking off, but there was also that report that came out last week from, I think I mentioned from Matt Lombardo about how like the, the Vikings had shown interest in Dallas Goddard. And then he had also included something which Tim McManus also included in his piece today about Zach Ertz and, as I heard in Dallas Goddard about Goddard's name coming up in Deshaun Watson trade talks in the past. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, I don't know. I McLean a- had mentioned that too. Did you say McLean? He, he, well, he did early in training yeah. camp. He did it like very speculatively. He kind of just like, threw it out there without even saying he had heard that as much as just like kind of just totally threw it out there and posited it as speculation. But I mean, we've heard enough on that front to kind of think like, okay, there's maybe something there. So I guess my, my read on that is like, to me, it's not like a hundred percent chance they signed Dallas Goddard to an extension and 0% they signed Zach Ertz. I, I don't think it's like quite that definitive. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, you know, the idea of signing Zach Ertz to a contract extension is just mind blowing to me that you would do that at, at this stage of his career. He's going into, uh, I guess, this, what is this, his ninth season, uh, with the team. So, um, yeah, I mean, and by the way, it's not surprising in the slightest that he's only four, that he's, you know, quote unquote, only four years older than him. He was drafted in 2013. Dallas Goddard was drafted in 2018. So they're drafted five years apart. It's not that surprising that they're only four years different in age. Like, that's not like really that, that interesting of a tidbit. Uh, by the way, four years is like a significant amount of time. So it's not like, it's not like four years is nothing. Like that's a, that's, right. that's an eternity in the NFL. So, um, anyway, whatever. Um, it, it just, it, it does seem that Dallas Goddard is available though. Um, if, you know, teams had interest in him, which, uh, I get like maybe his contract, ex- you know, contract demands are, um, you know, out of whack. And a lot of tight ends got paid good money, uh, this offseason that have, you know, similar or even worse, uh, production. Like Johnu Smith, for example, got, got paid by the Patriots. Goddard has better production than him over his first three years in the league. So, uh, and he's also a very good blocker as, as we know. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I'm sure that like, it's not like this bargain bin asking price from Goddard's side. And, uh, I guess we'll just have to see how that shakes out. But if he is, if his asking price is too high, then I get it. Yeah. I mean, like if you, and you can get something for him now, as opposed to just having him walk in free agency at the end of the year, then I, I do kind of, uh, understand the logic on trying to trade him for something. Really disappointing, though. I mean, yeah, oh, for this sure. Guy yeah, is the successor, and he's like not <laughs> right. the guy, and, he, and he's actually chance. good too. Like, it's not yeah. like he like he he's like one of their better draft picks over the last four or five years. One of the team's few good young players, at least, has been for a mm-hmm. while in terms of proven. I think they have a little bit more than they did in the past, or at least so people down on him though on Goddard. You kind of okay. sense that too. 
or no? Um, not as like you know as he's a bum or anything, but yeah. I think kind of just questioning like is he truly like an elite level tight end? And that was part of why the argument has been here at least to like trade Zach Ertz or get rid of Zach Ertz is because I want to see what Goddard can do as a full season as like the volume primary target number one tight end. So that's a little frustrating. You I think maybe you- some of that stems from you know we've seen Zach Ertz and what he's done over the last you know eight years or whatever. And, um, you know, there's an argument to be made that he was one of the top three tight ends in the NFL uh, fairly recently. So, um, you know, sort of a difficult benchmark for Goddard to live up to, whereas like you compare him to other tight ends around the league. I think, you know, you take him over most of the league's starters there. Um, So you think Goddard's going to play more than Ernst in week one? I do. I I think uh, it'll be close, but... um, I don't think Goddard's going to leave the field much at all because he can be a factor in the passing game and the run game. So, uh, whereas Ertz is really, I mean, it's not like he, you know, he doesn't block at all, but he's more obviously more of a factor in the passing game than he is in the run game. By the way, like I'm kind of over these two tight end sets. <laughs> like it's just a very boring brand of football in my opinion. And uh, with what the Eagles have in these three young receivers in Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins and Jalen Rager, like I want to see those guys play. I don't want to see those guys like not getting uh, snaps because they're losing them to two tight end sets in the same way that like, I didn't think that like it made sen- a lot of sense for them to bring in like a veteran receiver to, you know, take snaps away from them. I don't think it makes sense for, you know, one of these two tight ends to take snaps away from, from, from them either. So um, I don't think know. they really want to, <laughs> do what they've done in past years where they've led the I think you know part of them having so much 12 personnel usage in years past was part of the receivers just being really bad yeah, and fair. unplayable like I don't think that was like totally 100% by design but it probably was more so with Doug Peterson than Sirianni I know people like to say like the Colts had a lot of 12 personnel but like not as nearly as much as the Eagles and look at Sirianni's background he's a wide receiver guy he loves right, he coached right. wide receivers he played wide receivers. like he loves receivers he you think he wants to not have those guys on the field like he loves those guys he wants those guys on the field so I think we are going to see more 11 than we did in the past which is uh please hopefully because they just ran so much 12 it was like an the obnoxious is the word I would use to describe how much 12 personnel they use like that's I think that's the the fitting word for how much they ran but um uh, and I think yeah. like that that 11 personnel um will open up a lot of things in the run game for them too because you have those three guys with the speed and um you know you can't have safeties creeping up to the line of scrimmage and, and sitting there you can't have like eight guys in the box against three fast receivers like that you risk you know having the ball thrown over your head and uh with that speed on the outside combined with you know legitimate running quarterback in Jalen Hurts and legitimate running like 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 very talented running back in Miles Sanders like I I think though that's like the offense that I like it's a nice combination like I wouldn't build my like I wouldn't choose to build a roster uh on a run heavy approach but with what the personnel is like I do think that like they can be very successful on the ground with with uh Hertz and with Sanders and with those you know fast receivers on the outside keeping defenses honest yeah my my last point on this is like I want to be clear and say that like 12 personnel, I don't think it's an abomination and should never be used at all. Right. That's not the point. It's a nice tool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tool in the toolbox. It can't be your bread and butter. Like that's, I don't know if I'm mixing metaphors there, but that's, um, <laughs> that's, it shouldn't be like your, your staple. 
uh, I think if you can use it effectively. And I think the goal before the 2019 season, as we've talked about before, was like being able to, in theory at least, was being able to flip between 11 and personnel, mm-hmm. uh, depending on different matchups and things. I mean, that's ideal if you can do that. I think that maybe isn't like totally realistic, but I think you kind of, especially in terms of like how much resource uh, allocation you're doing. So I think just in general, you're not going to be able to pay big money to two tight ends over the long term. Um, but that's a whole different discussion. I just think uh, I'd like to see more of a balance is the point of what I'm saying. Just more of a balance between 11 and 12. I think that would be nice. Uh, Jimmy, we have some other news to talk about, and that is the Eagles releasing their first injury report on mm-hmm. Wednesday. They'll release two more, one today. Good to Thursday. have them back. Ha- good to have them back. <laughs> Their final one on Friday, the Falcons injury report, very light, by the way. They had only one player, Brandon Copeland, on there, and uh, he's, like, limited. He's, like, a backup linebacker for them. So the Falcons are really healthy. Mm-hmm. The Eagles, though, aren't, like, super far off. They only have four players on their injury report, and they were all limited. So every player on the Eagles roster practiced at least a little bit on the 53-man roster. Obviously not the IR people. Um, so the four people on uh, limited, Jimmy, were who? Uh, Brandon Brooks, who was the new addition. We'll get to him in a minute. He was a surprise addition. Uh, Landon Dickerson, of course. Uh, Rodney McLeod, who, you know, was still recovering from his ACL tear. And Davion Taylor, who missed most of, uh, training camp with that calf injury. So, like, those, th- no surprises, uh, but among Dickerson, uh, McLeod and Taylor. But Brooks was a little mild surprise and that he was on there. Uh, was it McManus that reported that, yes. uh, it, uh, you know, is more just, Precautionary is the wrong way to put it, but just like managing him. Is what yeah, yeah. Uh, he's not really help. He's very, very likely to play on Sunday against the Falcons. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is like the healthiest that we've seen them heading into a season. Like we've mentioned that, you know, like last year heading into week one, they're, they were without Lane Johnson, Miles Sanders, uh, Andre Dillard, who was originally going to be the starting left guard or left tackle. Um, uh, Derek Barnett didn't play week one. I don't think he played J- one. Javon Hargrave didn't play. Uh, I mean, there's just a whole slew of guys and they lost that game and then they lost a lot more thereafter. So like they're heading into the season with, uh, with, uh, pretty much every starter expected to play with the exception of, uh, McLeod, who was, you know, it was yeah. weird. So like Darius Slay spoke a couple days mm-hmm. ago and he, like a weird comment, like, you know, Rodney worked so hard to get back and, but you know, the NFL rules. And I like, did he just think that like McLeod was still on the pup list or something? That's what Eagles PR had <laughs> kind of intimated that there was confusion there. But like, I don't know. That's weird that he said that. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, he's limited. That doesn't, so like, I, and he didn't practice in training camp at all. So I think it's kind of fair to wonder if McLeod is like definitely going to play on Sunday against the Falcons. And even if he does, like, does he play a hundred percent of the snaps? Because usually when Rodney's out there, like he's playing the entire game. He's like one of the only players yeah. on the entire team, offense or defense, who's like playing the entire game. And he's had a role in special teams on the past too. Um, so like maybe do they try to like limit him a little bit? Do they really play him like the full amount? Is he going to be full all the way back? Like, so I think that's kind of one to, uh, look at still. And obviously, you know, you're, you're kind of not feeling amazing about the options behind him if he's not playing because it's Kayvon Wallace who was all banged up in training camp right. and really didn't like show anything that showed like he's making this big leap from year one to year two and Marcus Epps who I kind of think like is what he is which is kind of like a nice you know fine like whatever fourth or fifth like a acceptable fourth or fifth safety or whatever but you don't really want him playing a majority of the snaps um you're limited so- with what you can do with him he's just a deep safety only like he's a bad tackler. He does have like some ball skills, um, but he's you don't want him. Like you're not going to use him in a, in, a, in a lot of different ways. 
Uh, whereas with McLeod, you can play him deep or you can move him up. Uh, same thing with Anthony Harris. So like he makes you a little bit, uh, less diverse of a defense. Uh, and then, yeah, with Brooks, obviously, I think we both think he'll play, but still not like great that this guy who hasn't played football, Jimmy, it'll be 623 days from Brandon Brooks last football game when he plays this Sunday. He didn't, he hasn't played since late, uh, December of 2019. That's crazy to think about. Um, so not like amazing that he's on the report, not the end of the world, but it's like, prefer not to see him on there. And Dickerson, I, I'm guessing he's not even going to be active because, I mean, or maybe he will, but I don't think he's like, in line to play if one of the top like guards or one of the top interior guys get out gets out because he hasn't even had again mm-hmm. he didn't practice at all in training camp he's only limited now he's not even doing full stuff so i can't even imagine like especially center i can't imagine like he's ready to just play center right. like right away and make the calls and everything yeah um so i guess that wraps it up for, for the injuries like i think they're uh the you know like i said they're they're in better position this year than they, and that was the, obviously their focus during training camp their biggest you know uh priority was coming out of uh, training camp in the preseason with with a healthy team uh now it remains to be seen if you know these hour and 15 minute practices will have them prepared enough for the regular season but uh i i think that certainly you'd rather be in this position uh with just these four guys who are limited in practice uh, as opposed to the, all the guys they were missing last year this time. Well, Jimmy, why don't we go to break? But before we do, let me tell you about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, which you can go get for yourself by going to RighteousFelon.com. Now you're wondering, why am I always plugging Righteous Felon Craft Jerky? Well, gentle listeners, in the phrases of Michael Kiss. They're delicious. Uh, they're delicious. Uh, everyone loves them. Who has tried them? There's so many different flavors. They are the meat snacks that your Philadelphia Eagles eat. That's right. Righteous Felon Craft Jerky is at the NovaCare Complex for players to snack on. And Jimmy, if the Eagles are going to have a good year, I think it's because they're actually loading up on their Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Unlike last year, when we know they weren't having as much of it. They were An under-eating. underrated storyline this year, in my opinion. No it's, one covered that. Nobody's talking about it. It's crazy it's, to me. It's wild. So make sure you're in lockstep with the birds and get some Righteous Felon Craft Jerky at RighteousFelon.com. You want to use discount code BGN15 so you get 15% off your order. It's great. So go do that, and we will be back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy, we're changing things up a little bit this year. We usually, in the past, in our preview show, kind of did like a 
offense slash defense preview of the Eagles upcoming matchup each week. Kind of wanted to change things up a little bit. Let us know if you hate the format. If you like the format, you can tweet at us at Brandon Gowton at Jimmy Kemsky. You could tell us that you have no opinion on the format. That's cool too. Um, <laughs> I'm totally indifferent on it. I just wanted to reach out and let you know. Uh, so what we're going to do, Jimmy, we're going to go three reasons for optimism about the upcoming game, and then three reasons for concern or pessimism. I guess if you really want to go the opposite, but I'm going to say concern. So I actually have a lot of reasons for optimism in this game. Well, that's fine, but we're Jimmy. (laughs) But we're going to limit it to three. (laughs) Look, this isn't this isn't like the minor leagues, Jimmy. This is the big leagues. This you know, big J journalists here. Objective, (laughs) definitely objective, definitely not rooting for the Eagles ever, even though it's called Bleeding Green Nation. This is this is serious stuff, Jimmy. So. Uh, why don't you give us a reason for optimism to start it off since you have so many? Yeah. So, I mean, just taking my initial look at the Falcons as a team uh, a week or two ago, I mean, their roster stinks. <laughs> like, I mean, they have like Matt Ryan, who is still a good quarterback, in my opinion. Like, he's still like borderline, like top 12 kind of quarterback. Um, they Calvin Ridley's fine. They have, you know, dynamic tight end in Kyle Pitts. Um, Grady Jarrett, I think, is a good defensive tackle. Thereafter, like, they have and Deion Jones, is a good linebacker. Thereafter, like, they got nothing. And, like, their biggest uh, concern area heading into this game is uh, the interior of their offensive line, which, um, first of all, the regular starting left guard was going to be Josh Andrews, uh, who we didn't mention during the uh, uh, injury report just now. He's not on their injury report. He's on IR because he broke his hand um, like a day or two after uh, 53-man cutdown. So he's going to be out at least three weeks. But the idea that he was even starting for them, it's just like wild to me. Like he's the guy you remember, like he had a couple of different stints with the Eagles uh, during the Chip Kelly years and then uh, even into the Doug Peterson years. Um, but he's out. So like the guy who couldn't beat him out um, during training camp is a rookie. He was a third round pick whose name is escaping me. Let me just look it up here real quick. Jalen Mayfield. Jalen Mayfield uh, will play left guard uh, in uh, in Josh Andrews absence. And then at center, uh, some of you may remember. Uh, Matt Hennessy from the mm. 2020 NFL draft. Uh, he was a local product out of Temple. Uh, he went in the third round that, uh, uh, last year and, uh, was forced into action at guard, uh, at times last year. And then at the end of the year, uh, their center, uh, again, whose name is escaping me right now, got hurt and he had to fill in for him, uh, at center. Did not go well, like either at guard or center. He did not play well. So he's their starting center heading into this season. And one of the strengths of the Eagles overall is their defensive tackles with uh, Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave, who had a killer camp uh, this year. And then, of course, Milton Williams, who showed uh, that he can do some things uh, as their third round pick this year. They have to dominate the inside. Uh, they, they, they have to dominate the, the interior of the Falcons offensive line in this game, uh, create pressure uh, up the middle against Matt Ryan, because I think from what we've seen uh, out of Matt Ryan offense, offenses is that they, they, like to get ball, they like to get the ball out quickly. And uh, if they can get that immediate pressure up the middle, uh, then I think that'll hamper what, what Matt Ryan sort of is going to have to do in this game uh, with, with that weak offensive line. So that is my biggest uh, reason for optimism heading into this game is that there is a severe mismatch, in my opinion, between Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave against the interior of this Falcons offensive line. I agree with you. That could almost be like the entire game in terms of like why you feel confident about mm-hmm. the Eagles winning. Like you just feel so confident the Eagles are going to like dominate that matchup. Um, I think it's a good point by you. Uh, I will go with concern. I don't like being painted into this corner that I'm negative because I'm really negative, never negative about the Eagles to me. But um, uh, I think it's that 
it's kind of I don't know what exactly to make of Matt Ryan because it's it's weird. Like I feel like we don't really you know there's not a lot, a lot of juice to be had with Matt Ryan. But like you said, like I mean I think you can argue he's even like back end of the top ten um, or okay. just outside of it. You had him like top twelve, so like he's around there. I was looking at different rankings, um, like for example. Uh, 538, which had some crazy rankings, by the way, but uh, just throwing it out there. He is 15th in theirs uh, by ESPN's F, uh, FPI, Football Power Index. He was 9th by DVOA. Uh, he was 13th. And then if you look at like PFF grade last year, Matt Ryan was actually their 11th uh, offensive rated quarterback. If you include passing and running in there. So you know, I like the one that uh, Mike Sando does, by the way. Oh, yeah. The, uh, of the athletic word. He, he like polls. Uh, front office people across the league. He gets like a lot of people to to participate in that. I think they had him 12th. Okay. Yeah. So he's like around there. Um, not anyone that makes you like shake in your boots, but he's not like, you know, just objectively like bad. Um, so it's kind of a weird thing, but I think the Falcons passing attack with him is something for the Eagles to kind of be concerned about just from if they, if the protection can hold up. I mean, I know they traded Julio Jones, which is weird to me, but they have pieces there. Like Calvin Ridley, I think is a really good receiver. Russell Gage, I think is underrated and hasn't gotten a lot of hype, but mm -hmm. I think he can kind of step up. And I think his development is part of why the Falcons did have some comfort level in getting rid of Julio. And then obviously Kyle Pitts is a monster. Now, you know, we didn't necessarily want the Eagles to draft him, but that was more about like a fit thing and everything. But like, I mean, he's a beast. Just, just watch the guy play. Just yeah. watch him play. And uh, I think you have the whole Philadelphia narrative there. I'm sure he wants to show up big, not only in his first NFL game, but against his uh, his NFL sure. city as well, a team that he probably you know rooted for growing up. Uh, so I think that's that's a scary trio of those three guys. Pitts um, in the last season at Florida, uh, eight games, uh, 770 yards. Uh, I think he had – I'm going to say 12 touchdowns, extrapolate that over like what a normal college football season would be like 13 games. And, uh, you know, you're looking at like 1250 receiving yards and 20 touchdowns. So like he was awesome last year. And not only that, like he was, he, like he would often face like the best corners in the sec, like JC Horn and, you know, the, the, the Alabama, uh, cornerbacks. And like, he, like he just, he, he, he beat anyone that, uh, that, that covered him last year. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, Tight ends don't tend to start out great in the NFL. It's a difficult position to have immediate success. But if there's a guy that can do that heading into the NFL, like this is the guy. Like, I mean, we're talking about the fourth overall pick. So in, in like a loaded quarterback class. So, you know, for, for them to, for the Falcons to just say, now, you know what? We're not going to take a quarterback, even though our quarterback is 36 years old. We're going to take this guy. I think that kind of tells you what kind of talent he has. What's your next reason for optimism? All right. So uh, I would say that, um, well, first of all, the, the Eagles offensive line, uh, as we noted already, 17 or excuse me, 14 different combinations last year. Well, they're fully healthy you know, from from left to right. Mylotta, uh, Sam Milo, Kelsey, we expect Brandon Brooks to play and then Lane Johnson. Falcons pass rush garbage <laughs> like i mean you you like look at their front seven and the their front seven has a has a combined like 464 career games played they have 73 career sacks combined and like so like 464 career games like combined like these aren't just young guys that like just haven't 
piled up a lot of sacks over their careers. Like these guys average, like uh, I think their average age is 20, like right around 27 years old um, and 73 career sacks for their front seven. Like you just compare that to Eagles to the Eagles, for example, like, Ryan Kerrigan uh, has like a hundred sacks over his career. Brandon Graham has uh, Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, you know, both have over fifty. I know that. I think Brandon Graham is is over seventy something uh, for for his career. So, I mean, just they, they just don't have anything uh, as far as a pass rush goes. They're probably their best pass rusher is uh, is probably Dante Fowler on the edge, mm. and then Grady Jarrett is a guy who actually kind of tore apart like Isaac, yeah. uh, Isaac Sayamalo a couple years ago. But, um, you know, I wouldn't expect a repeat of that and they can give him some extra attention if need be. But, um, yeah, I, I think that that's, uh, the, the Eagles can dominate on the interior of their defensive line on that side of the ball. And then on the other side of the ball, I think that they should be able to give Jalen Hurts, uh, well, for a give Jalen Hurts, uh, a, a lot of time to throw. And I also think that they'll be able to open up holes, uh, in the run game. Like the run game I thought was sort of like, um, uh, an area that they, they showed that they're really effective during training camp um, and, and even during those joint practices. So like uh, I, I think that uh, just as a whole, the Eagles can absolutely dominate on both sides of the ball in the trenches. All right. Why don't you give me a reason for a negative? Because you've had two positives so far. Okay. I so uh, I guess my concern would be, you know, who's the safety, <laughs> like who's the safety opposite, opposite Anthony Harris? Um, because, even if a cloud plays, first of all, like, you know, we, we sort of harped on this like way back, like in like our like early podcasts, um, where McLeod was coming back from, uh, an ACL tear. Uh, he tore his ACL in the, uh, the 2018 season. And then in 2019, like he wasn't he, like, he was culpable for a lot of big plays allowed. And granted, like they played a lot of like, you know, um, single high safety and he was responsible for covering a lot of ground uh in that Jim Schwartz defense that probably didn't play to his strengths. Uh nevertheless he was culpable for a lot of those big plays and just didn't look, you know, very good. 2020, before he got hurt, like he looked significantly better. He looked faster. He looked, you know, more spry, quick, agile, whatever. Um, until he got hurt, obviously, and then his season was over. So um which McLeod are we going to get back when, when he comes back? Are we going to get the 2019 version that looked a little slower or the 2020 version who was an extra year removed from his initial ACL tear, uh, who looked, uh, who, you know, looked like, you know, an above average starting safety once again. So, uh, that's concerned. And then if he can't go, who's going to start is going to be Kayvon Wallace is going to be Marcus Epps. And they both have their flaws. Like I mentioned earlier, Epps is just a, a deep safety only. I kind of lean toward them going with him as the starter, uh, mm. as opposed to Wallace, who um, is, you know, more, I guess. Um, uh, box. Yeah. I mean, well, he can, he, he can do more. I think he can certainly play in the box better than uh, Epps can, but I don't think that should be really their concern against the Falcons, uh, you know, rushing attack. It's, I mean, they're, they're starting running back is Mike Davis. And, you know, we already mentioned like their, their interior offensive line isn't very good. So I don't know how much, you know, they're going to be able to run the football as it is. So I would lean toward Epps starting, but nevertheless, like that spot would be my, would be my biggest concern defensively if I'm the Eagles. McLeod is 31 now, too, as opposed to a couple of years ago mm-hmm. when you were talking about struggling a little bit. He was 29 then. So, you know, he's older. It's another ACL injury. So definitely things to worry about. Um, my positive, I'll go with the positive for the Eagles here. I'm looking at the Falcons secondary. Jimmy, yes. And AJ Terrell, they're starting and Fabian Moreau, who like couldn't cut it in Washington, basically, and didn't want to keep him. 
uh, are their starting corners. And then you have Eric Harris and Deron Harmon, who I believe is on his third team in three years, you know, going from the Patriots. Is he the, to the guy Lions. that picked off Foles in the Super Bowl on that bobble? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the, on the, yes. I believe it was on, uh, you know, the past that Alshon, uh, like, yeah, bobble. You, you kind of um, kept it alive and it popped right into Deron Harmon's yeah. hands. Yeah. So like, I'm looking at that secondary. I'm also seeing Stephen Means is starting for them. Uh, this is a starting <laughs> outside linebacker. I love Stephen Means, but yeah. like, yeah, but that's weird because he's above, uh, he's above Dante Fowler on their depth chart. Oh, is um, he okay? Yeah, I don't even know what's going on there. Uh, but that doesn't sound right to me, but I, I guess we'll I see. I mean, I like Stephen Means, yeah. so I, nothing against him, but I'm just saying like, probably not ideally a starter on like a really great team. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that secondary just doesn't scare me at all. I think Jalen Hurts is going to be able to have some success here in the passing game. I feel like with these cornerbacks, like, there should be some big plays who is stopping them from making like really, really big plays. Like there, there has to be. Uh, so I'm looking at that as a positive. I will flip to a negative Jimmy, uh, to, I guess, round us out here, unless you have another one, but, uh, I think for, well, actually, emphasis, do, do you mind if I just, just one quick note on the, uh, yeah, the, go ahead. the, the, uh, defensive backs that you noted. So like, uh, you mentioned Eric Harris and Duran Harmer, Harmon are their starting safeties. Like they both signed one year deals. Harris for 1.3 million. Harmon for under a million. And then Davey Moreau signed and for one year. Both from bad defenses, mind you. Like Eric Harris <laughs> coming from the Raiders and Duran Harmon coming yes. from the Lions. And then Moreau signed a one year deal also for under a million. So they have like three, three guys, the way that I put it in my, in my article is that they got like three guys from Dollar Tree and like they're starting in their secondary. So, uh, if there is like a, a defensive backfield that, you know, is sort of primed for you know getting ripped apart um it's them and you know the i think like this is a perfect opponent for you know these these young these three young eagles wide receivers uh to play against week and then their, their other corner is uh, aj terrell who they drafted in the first round uh in 2020 he was okay it wasn't great as yeah. yeah he's just okay as a rookie uh, a year ago so yeah i mean like the, the if they're going to get like if these three Eagles young receivers are going to have success this year, then this is like the perfect team for them to face week one. Build some confidence. Perhaps. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. So that's the the positive I have. Negative I have. Well, I kind of have two, uh, which is cheating, but uh, and they're not related. But one, I am looking at something the Eagles are trying to do more in theory, and that is get the ball to the running backs. I feel like we all have talked about mm -hmm. that as being an emphasis of Nick Sirianni's offense for as far as we know, which we haven't even seen yet. Um, and the fact that, you know, you have Deion Jones here and Aloaquan, Aloaquan, uh, very hard name to say, but <laughs> obviously I think both of those guys can cut it in terms of like, it's, it's been an emphasis, at least in the past, Falcons have valued these linebackers who can cover. So I kind of yeah. wonder if that could neutralize the Eagles, uh, running uh, back pa pass catching game a little bit. And also Eagles might be doing a little bit of self-sabotage if they're bringing up Jordan Howard, which they seem to be doing because they placed the protection on him on the practice squad. So it seems like Jordan Howard will be in the mix to some extent. And obviously just Miles Sanders, like not having full confidence in him in terms of drops and everything. I feel like the Eagles should kind of want to see what Miles Sanders can do in the passing game early in the season and like test out if those drops are going to carry over, but like there could be some growing pains there and it could, there could be some mistake making and being like, okay, well this is happening in the games too. Uh, we can't keep doing this. We're going to have to switch it over to Kenny Gainwell more and more. Um, so we'll see if that shakes out that way, but that's just a thought of mine. And then the other quick point 
it's not it's a special teams thing, so I don't want to make it like a whole thing, but Cordero Patterson to me is like the oh, best right. kick returner yes. in the NFL. So like yes. that's and that's a big deal because <laughs> he could break he could break off a kick return for a touchdown or give some really good field position, and that could be you know it could be a one score game, and then you lose. So that's just something to watch. Who are the other? Uh, I didn't see the protections. Who are the other ones other than Jordan Howard that they protected? So it was LaRaven Clark, who okay. obviously makes sense. had some interest from other teams. Mm-hmm. I think I'd mentioned that before, so that makes sense. And it was also Elijah Riley, who I think is the other guy who will get mm-hmm. elevated along with Jordan Howard because he can help out in special teams and give the team, the Eagles, some more depth at safety. Yes. It's not even clear if McLeod is playing. And even if he is, he just wants that extra body there just in case. And then the final one was John Hightower instead of Travis Fulgham. A little interesting, maybe, okay. because they could have protected Fulgham if he thought he was a commodity. But the Eagles don't really seem to think that's the case. So, okay. The uh, great any, any Denise things? Selman, I think, made the point yeah. that they like. Uh, they protected Howard a lot, <laughs> like during the season, like after they acquired him from uh, Miami last year. Yeah, it made no or, sense at all. <laughs> right, I think it was like four or five times they protected him last year. So I don't, whatever, it doesn't make any sense to me either. Uh, anyway, uh, one one other thing that I'll note: uh, this isn't necessarily a, a, a positive or a negative, um, but we're gonna get to see what the schemes look like for the first time. Yep. I mean, we got to, we got a little glimpses of it here and there in training camp. Like they showed more in practices than they did in the preseason games. Um, but we're going to get to see like what, not only like what their schemes are, but also like, what is their identity? And, uh, I think, um, offensively is sort of the, the bigger, uh, thing in that, on that front in that, like, you know, we, we've said over and over again, and we even said it earlier in the podcast, uh, that, um, you know, they probably, their personnel is set up for a run heavy attack, uh, to be determined if that's what they'll be. <laughs> so like, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's obviously with any new coaching staff, um, you're going to, you know, get your first glimpses of what they are and they hid what they were going to be, uh, throughout the preseason. You know, the, I think the greatest example of like, um, oh crap, that's what it's going to look like. Like, wow, that could be fun was like Chip Kelly in 2013 when they came out and they ran like 52, 53, something like that snaps in the first half, uh, against Washington. That, that first week one game was really fun to watch. So, uh, I don't know. I'm just, uh, sort of curious to see if, uh, you know, they'll be, they'll be a fun team to watch both offensively and defensively this year. Could say a similar thing about Arthur Smith, though, in his first game as a new head true, coach. True, true, true. Um, but anyway, Jimmy, why don't you tell me about a very special person in your life? Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Uh, she's the greatest. This is a well-known fact. The greatest realtor in the history of the universe. And her phone number, you can talk to her. It's a, like, she's the greatest realtor in the history of the universe. And you can actually talk to her. Like, I don't know how you couldn't take, take up that opportunity. Uh, but her number is 856-906-9295. Uh, you can also call or text her. Of course, you can also go to roachrealtors.com. Uh, if you are looking to buy or sell your house, Brandon. There's also this little contact form I see on RoachRealtors.com oh, looking at okay. it right now. So you can also, there's like an email. You can type out a message in there if you want to, you know, do it that just, way. So just, t- just text her. <laughs> well, I'm <laughs> just saying. All right. I don't, don't do that. I don't, I don't know if that thing. works or not. So just... <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just saying it, there's different sure options does, on the but... site. So, uh, <laughs> okay. you know, whatever you're comfortable with. But, you know, I guess text her if, if you really want to do that and be direct. So do that. And we will be back after this. <laughs> Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, she's the greatest, 856-906-9295.
Back here on our final segment of BGN Radio. Final segment already, Jimmy. The time is flying by. We're having fun. Yeah, we're, we're what? We're at, 40, off to we're, at the least, well, I guess the, you guys are probably, after the commercials and stuff, like 42-minute mark? Yeah. It doesn't feel that way at all. It feels like we're like 15 minutes in. We're flying by. We're in, we're in prime form. Positive vibes only going into week one, Jimmy. But now it is time for our NFC East picks against the spread, where okay. we cover the entire division, which is a little redundant with NFC's mixtape, but it's even better because RJ isn't <laughs> here um, and Jimmy is instead. Uh, we have to start, Jimmy, with the game that's on tonight. So um, hopefully you're listening to this before the game has been played. Uh, the Cowboys, Jimmy, are 9.5. Oh, it's up to 9, huh? 9.5? Okay. 9.5. Jimmy, how do you take it? Well, <laughs> 9.5 is a big number now. Against uh, the Buccaneers. I and the reason that. I, I guess that jump that, is but. because uh, I guess there's just confirmation that Zach Martin isn't going to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Martin is, of course, their all-pro right guard. He has COVID. Um, and then at right tackle, uh, Lyle Collins like missed a huge chunk of their training camp with uh, Neck Stinger. And then, of course, Dak Prescott um, missed the majority of their training camp. Didn't play at all in the preseason games. With I mean, first of all, he's recovering from his gruesome ankle injury of a year ago. Uh, that kind of just got forgotten about because he, he missed most of camp with uh, a shoulder injury. And that's nothing new for him. If you'll recall, uh, in the 2019 season, he came into Philly and just did not look anything like uh, what he normally looks like because he was playing through a shoulder injury in that game. The Eagles wound up winning the division as a result, partly as a result of, uh, of that game. So, um, yeah, I guess that's the reason why they're 9.5 point underdogs because the Cowboys like have talent. Uh, they're on paper, one of the best offenses in the NFL. Uh, I have, but in this game, like I have no concerns about the Buccaneers being able to score on this trash Cowboys defense. Uh, but with Martin out and with, uh, Lyle Collins, uh, potentially not playing at all. And if he does, he's battling through like what, what is a very annoying injury. And we don't know what Dak Prescott's going to look like. I am not uh, as confident that the Cowboys will put up a lot of points on the Bucks. So I'm going to lay the nine and a half. I'm going to take the Bucks minus the nine and a half over the Cowboys. Very disappointed in you because I wanted to be the one who bet <laughs> against the Cowboys super okay. hard. Uh, but whatever. We'll both do it. I, Jimmy, Mike McCarthy stinks. He's a buffoon. Dak Prescott <laughs> is getting way overrated after like Dak Prescott has been so romanticized after getting hurt last year. It's like people act like he was like the MVP of the league before. Like, oh, oh it's such a, I mean, it was a shame how he got hurt. Obviously, yeah. I agree with that much. But like it wasn't like, oh, like he, he was on a really, you know, great pace. Like it seemed like statistically last yeah, year, yeah, yeah. statistically, but like. RJ even admits this, like that wasn't sustainable. That wasn't going to happen over the course of a season. And also it wasn't even leading to success. Like some of those numbers were happening because they were getting down. They were they one and three, so right? In the times. four games yeah. they played in the, in they were one and three. And as I've talked about before, it's kind of like in basketball sometimes where like, uh, like you might be putting up a high score, but the other team is putting up an even higher score on you. Like you're getting the ball a lot. So that's why you're able to put up more points. You know what I mean? That my point is like the pace was higher. Okay. That, so yeah, the Cowboys were putting up more points in part because their defense was so bad and they were getting so many possessions because they, <laughs> the defense kept giving them possessions to yeah. work with because they couldn't stop anyone from scoring. Um, so I think the defense will be a little bit better for them this year just because I don't think it can be as terrible as last year, but I don't think it's going to be good at all. 
Um, so I, I just don't buy the Cowboys. And I think that shoulder thing is more significant than people are really uh, leading, uh, letting on. He was on a pitch count the, the entire offseason. And again, I don't think it's when he that, was even able to throw, like there were times where he couldn't throw at all. Exactly. And I don't think it's like he's going to come out tonight and he's like going to be like the worst quarterback in the league or he's not going to be able to throw it all. He might even have a good game. But I think that shoulder thing could like pop up again later down the road. So uh, that doesn't have to do with this game, but it's just something I'm definitely thinking about. I think Zeke is cooked. I'm not buying. Oh, he's had this great offseason. He's back. No, the touches aren't going away. The many, many touches he's logged on his body aren't just like disappearing. So uh, I'm going to take the Bucks, who have a lot of continuity. That's been talked about way too much. Like all twenty-two starters returning and everything, <laughs> yeah. and it is legit though. I mean, it is, but it's just like we. Can't, yeah, I'm, just tired hearing, I'm, t- I'm tired of hearing. I'm tired of hearing about it too. But it, number one talking point. Yeah, yeah, yeah Say yeah. something new about them. Uh, <laughs> right. I think their defensive line is going to create a lot of issues for a Cowboys offensive line that I think is a little more suspect than people are also uh, thinking it is, especially with Zach Martin not there. Mm-hmm. So I think the Bucks win this by like comfortably. I'm going to say at least by ten points. So I will take the Bucks to cover this game, and I can't wait. To rub it in RJ's face after the Bucks <laughs> win okay. and bury the Cowboys season after week one. Uh, Jimmy, the next game is the Chargers at the football team. And the football team are one-point favorites at I home. I saw that too. That flipped at one point. The Chargers were mostly favored in that game, uh, also by one point. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a weird it's – a, it's a it was a tough game for me to sort of figure out. Um, what I think uh, – the Chargers did this offseason, which was smart, was they put a ton of resources into their offensive line. Uh, they signed Brian Balaga. They signed uh, the center from the Packers. Uh, his name is escaping me. Uh, they drafted Rayshon Slater in Corey the first Lindsay. round. Yes. Um, so, like, that was a big problem area for them in, mm-hmm. in recent years. And I think they did a lot to sort of shore that up. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they have Joey Bosa. And I think they have a good uh, defensive front. So, where I think, like, Washington's... I mean, obviously Washington's like their biggest appeal as a team is their defensive line. And I think that the Chargers, I mean, I guess it's their biggest, te- it'll be like a huge early test for them. Um, you know, whether they did enough to shore up that offensive line, but I, on paper, it looks decent enough to me where I think they'll be able to sort of withstand, um, you know, what Washington can bring in that regard. And for me, like Justin Herbert is just way better. Then Ryan Fitzpatrick, like Ryan Fitzpatrick has these weird like pockets of brilliance where like he can look like all of famer one week, but I mean, far more often he just looks like the guy that's on his ninth NFL team. So, you know, if you're betting on sort of great Fitzpatrick, uh, week one, I don't think that's a very good bet. And uh, I think the chargers are just overall a more talented team with a much better quarterback. I don't think it's a lock. I don't either. Like they can certainly win this game, but I, I do have the chargers winning this game. And Ron Rivera's experienced coach and Washington's at home and Fitzpatrick, like you said, one of those like heater games could be in week one. Like that could come and he could, yes. he could just like look flawless. And it's like, well, he like 20, 20, uh, 19. He did that. Uh, no, no, no. 2018. He did that where like the Saints, he had the huge yeah, game against the, the Saints and then, uh, and then against the Eagles, <laughs> like he yeah. had a, he had a huge game. So yeah, he, he can come out firing, uh, I will say I actually did look at that because I was wondering if like that could be like an angle that that I looked at. Uh, but he, his first game in 2019, they lost with Miami. They lost uh, 59 to 10, well, <laughs> and then yeah. and I mean uh, with on one of the worst rosters in the NFL, of right. course. And then uh, in 2020, uh, last year with Miami, they lost I think 
to the Patriots. Uh, whatever whoever yeah. it was, they only they they put up Our like bills, ten maybe ten yeah. points or something like that. It was a very low offensive uh, production game for for them. So I don't know. Uh, like you but like you said, you can get like a, a heater game out of him unexpectedly. So I like the Chargers this year a lot, Jimmy. And if you listen to the SB Nation NFL show, gentle listener, which you should, and if you aren't already, please follow, rate, review, subscribe that show where we're talking not only about the Eagles, which we do, but all the teams as well. It's good stuff. Check it out. Uh, but if you did listen to that already, you heard me talk about how we, when we did our predictions this past week, Jimmy, for MVP and coach of the year, I have Justin Herbert winning MVP. I think he's going to make a big really? year two leap, okay. just like we saw Carson like Wentz do. Yeah. Just like we saw Lamar Jackson do, like that that happens. Sometimes these quarterbacks make, make these really year, big, big year two leaps, and in part because he was like one of the most pressured quarterbacks last year in terms of like the amount of drop. I think he had the second most dropbacks total under pressure. Okay, and they upgraded the offensive line, like they said. Another guy you didn't even mention, I believe his name is like Matt Feeler. Oh yes, from the Steelers. Yes, and like he was like a solid guy too. So they really upgraded. I think along that offensive line, and I think that's uh, a big deal for them. I also I'm buying Brandon Staley. I think he's a good coach, and I don't think it's just like he knows how to run a defense. I think he's like a good coach. Um, he has an offensive, some of a of an offensive background in his past too, and and obviously working with Sean McVay, I think probably you know probably helped a little bit. At least you know I, I know we like to joke about that a lot, but like having some some of that experience, you know, he he kind of has a pulse at least on what's important. So uh, I like the Chargers a lot. And therefore, that they are getting a point, I will take. And it's only one point, but I will point. take yeah. that singular point. <laughs> so that's my pick. So we're both in lockstep so far with our first two games, which brings us to the third game, which the Broncos are on the road and they're favored by three points at the New York Football Giants Stadium in North Jersey, MetLife. Yeah, the Giants' offensive line is trash, <laughs> and uh, you know this Broncos team. Um, like I, I took a look at them and I kind of like what they have. Uh, mm. I like their secondary. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, they have some, uh, nice pieces in their front seven, of course, with Von Miller and, um, Shelby Harris and, uh, Bradley Chubb, of course. And that's enough for me to just, I mean, they're going to create disruption, uh, for Daniel Jones. And, um, I don't necessarily think that the Giants are going to be able to run the ball very effectively with, uh, with, you know, with or without, uh, Saquon Barkley, depending on whether he plays or not. Uh, I don't know what the latest on him is. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. you have looked into that. I don't know, but, uh, um, not a hundred percent. We know that for me, it's just, it just boils down to their offensive line is trash. And I don't think they're going to win very many. In fact, I have him, I have them picking fifth in the 2022 NFL draft. I think they're going to be that bad this year. The Giants. With their pick, not the not their the Bears pick. pick. Their yeah. the Bears. I think the Bears are going to be bad too. So they mm-hmm. might have two really high picks. But yeah. uh, I, I don't, I don't like. There's nothing about that Giants offensive line that is in any way appealing to me. And uh, I, like, I wouldn't take any. I, w- I would not take a single one of their players and have them start on the uh, Eagles offensive line right now. Uh, so that's how yeah. bad I think they are. Um, and yeah, I think the I think the strength of that Broncos de- uh, the Broncos team is their defensive line. They have so they also have like uh their offensive line is is decent enough. Um uh Bowles, the left tackle has really kind of come along uh as uh, as he's grown into the league. They have some young intriguing skill position players, especially at the wide receiver position in, in Judy and Hamler and uh Cortland Sutton is is back now. Um Teddy Bridgewater isn't necessarily like you know, like a super appealing quarterback, but he's also a guy that like doesn't make a ton of mistakes. So I think that's fine for what they are as a team. And it, it's just good enough to beat the Giants. 
Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater can get you to well. Last year, Panthers were at like seven and nine. Yeah, like he can get you to. Like and the Broncos that. Are, have a better roster than them. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, again, I'm not a big Teddy guy, which is also why I think this could be a winnable game from the Giants, just because if he has like just like I know he doesn't necessarily always make mistakes, but he has some like really lackluster games I've seen from yeah. him that are just like oh my gosh, like this guy can't do anything. Um, I I can't take the Giants in good faith, just because like you you outlined <laughs> it well, their offensive line just isn't good. Um, it's young, but doesn't mean it's good. Yeah, right. That, that uh, that's that's even like I think that's even more of a detriment to them because they're not also, only they're not only bad, but they're also young, inexperienced, no cohesion, and uh, and like an inexperienced. So like like if they're that, that might be fine for like long term, but in the in the right now, it's not good to be young. I also think Saquon, based on what we're reading, like isn't a hundred percent. I mean, I I saw Jabril Preppers basically admit that one of his okay. own teammates. Um, and I think for the Giants to have success this year, I feel like Saquon is going to have to get healthy, and they're going to have to kind of ride him to like a big Demarco Murray like season. And you know, naturally, uh, Jason Garrett is the offensive coordinator there, so I think that's like the goal in theory or the plan. But I mean, if he's not a hundred percent, and he's he's not, they they're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. And then even if he is, I I wonder the, about the viability of that. So, uh, yeah, I just there's no like what is there to feel great about the Giants? What are you pointing to and feeling amazing about? Like, you know, they have some good cornerbacks. They can, they can actually, you know, maybe keep Teddy under, I mean, not uh, never really hard to keep Teddy under wraps. I think they can kind of keep those receivers in check to an extent. I don't know that it's going to be like a total blowout, but the Broncos are only getting three. Um, and, and I was tempted because, you know, there's a, there's a thought out there that you should always bet on the home dog just because of trends or whatever, but mm-hmm. I just can't. No, thanks. It. So <laughs> it's, yeah, it's boring. We're both going to take the Broncos uh, with three over the Giants. Now comes to our Eagles at Falcons prediction. We're also going to get into a season prediction after we predict this game specifically. Uh, Jimmy, why don't you start? <laughs> the Eagles are Jimmy's mom's phone is ringing, ringing right as I'm about to throw it to him. He's gone from the. All right. So uh, the recap of that was the cleaners were supposed to come today. Uh, they apparently are not. And they're looking for another day. Oh, and they're looking for another day that they can come instead. So the Eagles are <laughs> 3.5 underdogs at the Falcons. Jimmy, who do you have? Uh, I got the Eagles. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, which is what weird to me. How are they, how are they 3.5 point underdogs? But like when the, you know, the, the, the classic line of thought is like the home team gets three points. So like people are saying the Falcons are better than the Eagles. How exactly is that? Like we're looking at a team that went four and 12 last year. The Eagles went four, 11 and one. So they basically had the same record. The Eagles had like a ton of injuries that the Falcons kind of didn't have. Like the Julio Jones was out for a big chunk of the year, but like comparatively speaking, like there's a lot more reason to be optimistic about this Eagles team heading into the season than this Falcons team. Like I just don't get the, the, uh, the, the line of thought that they're better than the Eagles. Uh, we already outlined. Um, sort of our, you know, what we think are going to be reasons for optimism in this game, which I think outweigh, uh, substantially the number of reasons for concern. Um, again, most notably that the Eagles are, in my opinion, should, uh, on paper and on the field, <laughs> it's like they should dominate in the trenches, uh, to be, you know, we'll see if they actually do, but I think they hold huge, uh, advantages, uh, on, on the offensive and, and defensive lines and, like, I think this is just one of the worst teams in the league, this Falcons team. And, uh, mm-hmm. if the Eagles, I'll put it like this. If the Eagles can't win this game, then 
<laughs> we're probably, it's going to be a really long season for them because like this is one of the games on their schedule that that they can reasonably and expectedly win. So I'll, so I'll take the Eagles and oh oh and you're giving me three and a half points too. Fine, yeah. I'll take them. Taking them straight up, yeah. Um, yeah. Even if the Falcons win this game, like I don't know that they're winning it comfortably. Like the three and a half, especially the half point. I can see it being a three point game if they lose. Like that's a pretty tempting uh, that half point there. I think so. I have a couple thoughts here, Jimmy, as I often do. That's why I have a podcast to, to talk about the <laughs> thoughts that I have. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the Falcons are. So in my weekly question air that I do with like the opposing, you know, writer from like the SB Nation site, the opposing SB Nation site mm-hmm. this week, uh, shout out to Dave Choke from the Falcoholic. Hey. I asked him like my number one question, the lead was like, what are the Falcons? Because I don't understand like <laughs> what is their identity? Like what is this yeah, team? Yeah, yeah. Because they're a team that I thought after getting rid of uh, Dan Quinn and uh, Thomas Dimitrov, that like, okay, this is a chance to kind of wipe the slate clean. You get rid of Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. You totally start this thing over. In part because there's just like been so much bad juju with this team. They've blown so many leads. It's like they need to like erase the losing culture, which I think is a, a term that I don't love, but I think is kind of a real thing sometimes. They need to like get all of that stench out of here from winning the Super Bowl. Like they need to turn the page from all that. And to their credit, they did it in terms of getting rid of the head coach and the DM, but like the quarterback is still here. Some of the players are obviously still here, which you're not going to get rid of literally everyone, but like the ones they, I just don't know though, because then they get, they keep Matt Ryan, they restructure him. So they're not rebuilding. They're not going to draft a quarterback. They're not going to do a hard reset, but then they trade Julio Jones. Like if you're all in to win now and make the most of mass, <laughs> Matt, right. mo, make the they didn't get a lot for him Matt either. Ryan's, and they got well. It's a draft pick. They didn't even get like a player. They got something that's not going to help them now. They're not going to win now with that move. Like that's, that's just such a weird. What, what, what like, they get a two? I think so. Yeah, it's like that, and I, I just don't know what they're trying to do. Like, is this a team in transition? Like, I don't, I don't totally get it. So uh, that might not necessarily matter in an individual game, but like, I don't feel like super amazing about their outlook when they don't have a clear one to me. Yeah, like, I, I don't get exactly what the vision is. So that kind of makes me not feel great about them. Not really scared of Matt Ryan, but like, I don't know. This isn't like a cakewalk game for the Eagles because it's Nick Sirianni's first game. I think, I think every offseason, Jimmy, there's something that it's very easy to like overlook as a concern. Mm-hmm. I always think about like Juan Castillo being, you know, promoted to do. I mean, <laughs> right. I'm not saying the Eagles have this going on to be clear. <laughs> right, I'm saying right. you going to week one, you're always looking at the Eagles very with a very rosy view. A lot of people are not necessarily everyone, yeah. but a lot of people, the majority of people. And that's fine. I'm, I'm not talking down on that, but I'm just saying like, I think that's every team by the way. Sometimes. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Like that's my always, that's my point too, with like the Eagles and trying to keep things in perspective. Like a lot of like every team out there, except maybe the Texans. And I bet you even Texans fans, some of them out there, like <laughs> maybe this isn't going to be as bad as we think. Like every right. fan for the most part believes in their team going into week one and they should. And that, again, I'm not trying to talk down on that, but the point is like there's, there's concerns that you might overlook sometimes. And I remember that being with Juan Castillo, like people by the, by the time week one arrived that season, people were talking themselves into it. It wasn't like yeah. it was when he was hired and like, this is insane. Um, and I think maybe we're glossing over about how Jalen Hurts was one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the league last year, if you're just going off some of his numbers, and how Nick Sirianni has never called plays before. Like Maybe we're kind of glossing over that too much, and there could be some growing pains and all of that, and how Jonathan Gannon has never sure. been a defensive coordinator, and how this staff is very young. There are some things here that like they're, they're just not proven. So 
I don't think that's enough to to take me to, for me to take them to lose, but I'm just saying like I kind of have to think about that and totally not uh, just like take that for granted because those things I think could matter. This isn't an experienced team that's been there before. There could be some mistakes made, and that's fine. It doesn't mean the whole era or the season is doomed just because of that. But I just think you know in game one there could be some some issues that arise. But um, but ultimately uh, I think the Eagles have enough going for them on offense. I, like I, we talked about that Falcon secondary. I think that if the Eagles receivers can't make plays against that, then I just, I just don't have a right. lot of hope for them. Right. Um, I, for as much as Miles Sanders, I have kind of concerns about him in the passing game. I think he's able to kind of break off some big runs in this mm-hmm. one. I think the defense, which looked pretty good in training camp, isn't going to be perfect because I think, again, you have to kind of put some respect on Calvin Ridley's name, on Russell Gage's name. I think Kyle Pitts is going to have some big plays, some big moments. But I think the defense can kind of hold on enough where the offense can uh, outpace what the Falcons are able to score. And I think the Eagles win this game, start the season 1-0. and I will say, uh, we'll get into this very soon. But I feel like the Eagles win one of their first two games, and almost only one of their first two games. I think they're starting off one and one. So if they lose this one, I'll feel good about them beating the 49ers. But uh, I have them winning this game, let's say, by a score of 27 to 24. We'll keep it real classic. Okay. I think I had uh, I had to submit them to Matt Mullen just uh, uh, earlier this morning. I think I had it at 26 to 24. Okay, so really close. Funny. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I didn't. You know, obviously, I didn't see that. I don't think that's right, posted right. yet. So. It didn't, didn't get published yet. <laughs> so why don't we go with our season-long predictions real quick here, Jimmy? Okay. Um, what do you have them going this season? Previously, you had them at what six? I have consistently 11? all off season had them going six and eleven, but after some encouraging, four encouraging days during joint practices and just sort of like the. Um, the progression that I saw out of uh, Jalen Hurts uh, throughout the entirety of training camp leaves me a little more optimistic on the Thursday before the Eagles play their first game, week one. I am now 7-10. and 10. Boom! Wow. Boom! Bumped them up a game. How about you? So I just did a prediction with uh, RJ Ochoa that aforementioned RJ Ojoa, secret Cowboys or, or secret Eagles fan, it portrays himself as a Cowboys fan. It's a it's a lie. It's a gimmick. Um, on the NFC East mixtape, we predicted the records for all four teams. Jimmy, RJ did the Cowboys and uh, Giants, and I did. Let's Eagles let's do that too. Well, why don't we give our records for the other three teams too? As long no, as we're here. no, you don't want to do that. You have to listen to no, because you have to listen to that uh, podcast. Well, I, can I do off. mine then? Because I didn't, okay. I wasn't on that podcast. Uh, no, you can't do that either. Um, <laughs> just because it's going to annoy you. So, uh, I have the Eagles. I had the Eagles at nine and eight when I did that. I had them originally at eight and nine. And again, uh, I told you that I kind of felt like that was on the high end when mm-hmm. we did our schedule and you thought I was like going high with that. So I'm, I'm really being a coward. I'm in between there. I'm in between that eight and nine. I think, I don't think they win double digit games. I will say that I feel confident that they do not win double digit games, but they might be able to get up to nine, but eight and nine, nine and eight around that range. Um, where do you have them finishing in the NFCs? Why don't we do that? Like, what place do you have third? Them finishing? So I have right. it: Cowboys, uh, Washington, Eagles, mm-hmm. Giants. Okay, yeah, I think Washington actually wins the division again. Okay. I think they would. I think they will. And then I think the Cowboys ending the finish. streak that has been I alive know. since twenty two thousand four was the last time any NFC East team repeated as uh, division champs. So then I have the Cowboys second, and then the Eagles third, and then the Giants fourth. So we're kind of and locks up on that. Um, I think that's it, Jimmy. Any final thoughts by you before yeah, we wrap I'm up? I'm going to give the rest of my NFC's predictions. So I'll go you nine and jerk. eight for the Cowboys, eight and nine for Washington, and then five and 12 for the Giants. Man, 
I told you not to do it. And you did it. Anyway. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, it's my final thought. Yeah, that is fair. You can say anything you want in your final thoughts. Jimmy, while we're in our final thoughts, real quick, uh, I'm going to get to a question that we had. Oh, okay. we, we have to answer these, and I've been bad. I'm getting to all these. We're, we're going to get to them if we don't. We haven't already. Uh, this is from Anthony D. Ayers on Apple Podcasts, five stars. Uh, great show is the title of the review. I've been following the show since the beginning and even before the rebrand, which was in 2018. The hosts are great and provide great Eagles content. Everyone needs to follow the show. Obviously, agree with all of that from Anthony. The question, though, Jimmy, is looking to buy a jersey, but would Mm. like a recommendation on a sure pick on a player that won't be gone too soon. Any suggestions? Well, do you want to handle this one, or uh, I feel like whenever these questions come in, I answer them. Do you want to? Do you want to do? I I can certainly answer this if if you'd like, but I'll I'll give you first. I'll give you right of first refusal. It's Brandon Graham. I think Brandon okay. Graham makes. I mean, he, so the question here was like, won't be gone too soon, but that doesn't matter. He'll to play me. for like, a few more years, I believe. But even if he is gone after this year, which I don't think will happen, but even if he was for some reason, like it's Brandon Graham. He made the biggest play in Eagles history. He's a great guy. He's not a guy that you're going to have to worry about like getting. I, oh, I, I at least knock on wood. Hope like getting canceled or something, <laughs> yeah, and, like yeah, doing yeah. something terrible. Like right. he's a good guy you can root for both on and guy, off the field. Super family cute guy. Kid. Yeah, and you saw that if you watched All or Nothing. Like, Brandon Graham, to me, is I, – I, I truly believe this, and I probably will write a feature about this one day. He is, like, the quintessential Eagles player to me. Like, he is what a Philadelphia Eagle looks like if you look him up in a dictionary, and for some reason there's a picture in a dictionary. Like, Brandon Graham is a Philadelphia Eagle, so – and it's a good number. I think 55 is a good number. So, yeah, get a Brandon Graham jersey. If, especially if you like the number five because you get eight of them on your shirt. Number 55 will always love you. Uh, <laughs> did you have an answer that you wanted to give? Brandon Graham is a good one. Um, yeah, it's, I think this kind of, I think, I think this question sort of uh, highlights the fact that the Eagles don't have many good young players, <laughs> like good young proven players anyway, that you know are already good, are definitely going to be here for a while. And <laughs> I don't know, whatever. So, uh, I would say Miles Sanders, but he, no. who knows if he's going to get a second contract. Yeah, uh, don't do that. Devontae uh, Smith, baby. Devontae Smith is a good one. Landon Dickerson, maybe, but I don't think you can, like, you know, I don't think you can. I mean, because he's going to be 69, too, or he, he, and he gets to hurt 69, a lot. which it's is tough. funny. So, <laughs> but he gets hurt a lot, as you said, so who knows? Um, yeah, I think I like your Brandy Graham answer. Okay. You Along oh. the same lines, I think you could also – uh, you know, Jason Kelsey is is every bit mm-hmm. as uh sure is sort of like uh yep. a good a good choice for all the reasons that you named for Brandon Graham, one hundred percent, and could be a potential future Hall of Famer. Yes, um, different discussion for another day, though. Jimmy, my final thought is I'm excited for all the Bleeding Your Nation coverage we have going on on the feed beyond the show. So if you're not listening to those episodes, you should, because there's a lot of good stuff out there. I mentioned the NFC mixtape with RJ Ochoa. Obviously, we have Rachel and Mark breaking it down on the, uh, the QB show reboot. So we have that going on. Jimmy, Rachel just did an interview with the Eagles starting quarterback, Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts doesn't show a lot of personality, but Rachel got him to like open up a little bit. So everyone should definitely check That's out that. That's a big that. deal. I, I, does, I know. Jalen, does Jalen Hurts do a lot of podcasts? No. Um, <laughs> now, you know, this is a promotional thing, but hey, uh, we made the most of that, out of it, and I thought it was really good, so you should check that out. It's also on the feed. Also, coming up on the feed, not out yet, 
Uh, and also should shout out Seamus from the Bleachers. Obviously, he is an episode. But coming up on the feed after the game, Jimmy, on Sunday, we have our new edition. This is the first podcast we're doing since we announced that news I had been teasing that mm-hmm. Aton Shander will be hosting the post game shows this year. So check him out after the game. We'll have that streaming live so you can react. And Aton wants to make it an interactive show. Like he wants to hear from you. So you can, you know, write in or call in or whatever. We have, we'll get that set up. Um, so you can kind of get your feedback in there and interact with him. And uh, I believe Jess will be joining him on that show. So it'll be really good stuff that you don't want to miss. So rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. So you're seeing it all. Also check out the SB Nation NFL show, which I plugged earlier, which has a lot of good content on it right now, getting you ready for week one and everything and then reacting to week one. I will be on those shows on Tuesdays, the Oddcast, the Off Day Debrief with Rob Stats Carrera. Follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gatton. Follow Jimmy Kempsey on Twitter at Jimmy Kempsey. At BGN underscore on radio is the place to follow us on Twitter for the podcast at Bleeding Green for the website, bleedinggreennation.com. For me, Jimmy Philly Voice is at uh, Jimmy is at phillyvoice.com. You can get go get the best snacks in the world, which you will need for week one or the rest of the games if it doesn't get there in time by going to right to selling.com and getting yourself some right to selling craft jerky using discount code BGN15. You want it. Go to roachrealtors.com if you need a house and you talk to Christian Roach of Roach Realtors, who you can also text or call at 856-906-9295. All right. Those are all the plugs. It's time to get out of here. <laughs> and here's Bye. hoping for a positive podcast that we'll have next week with an Eagles win and the Cowboys loss as well. Yeah. Actually, on our predictions, we ha- we didn't note we didn't note this, but we have the Eagles at 1-0 and and everyone else at 0-1. Commanding, there we go. commanding opening to the season if it pans out that way. Boom. All right. Goodbye, everybody. PGN. <laughs>